Lord, we're here to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that you're always at your work. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would make us aware of you, aware of your work, that we may join you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. So this morning, I thought I'd kick us off by having a wee chat about uh, sort of home improvements and getting some jobs done. And uh, one of the first things I reach for is the good old power drill. And uh, I'm old enough to remember going to uh, school. Yes, I remember going to school and uh, woodwork class. And in woodwork class, we were given the wee manual drills, you know, the ones that looked like egg whisks. And in my hands, they were about as effective as an egg whisk. So I was delighted whenever power drills became sort of uh, more available and a bit cheaper. And uh, I imagine a lot of households now have a good old power drill. One of the first things I do, because it's one of the few things I know what to do, is to how to drill a hole. And uh, the thing about a power drill as well is that you need to plug it in. Uh, without power, it does absolutely nothing. And uh, so it's always important to plug it in. And then it'll start, to, it'll start to do things to drill holes. The other thing as well is that um, it has lots of different bits. And so um, masonry bits uh, for drilling big holes. You can see how tactical I am. Uh, small, thin ones with sharp ends for woodwork. Um, and also things you can countersink for screw heads. And you can uh, put a wee thing on to put in a flathead screw, screw or a star head screw or something like that. That's about as, I've just shared with you virtually all of my home improvement knowledge there in a couple of minutes. So there's lots of different bits and uh, obviously when you're using a drill, you put the power in after you put the drill bit in, just a wee safety tip there. But whenever it comes to the spiritual world, you can power it in first and then you put the drill bit in and I'll explain about that in a minute. The other thing as well about these things is that you've got to actually pull the trigger. It's all very well standing there, powers on, drill bits in, you've got to pull the trigger. And finally, uh, whenever you kick off with this drill, uh, you can put it on a low speed and just to maybe start you off, but as time goes on, you can actually increase the speed and get the hole drilled a lot quicker. So I'm sure you're absolutely fascinated by this uh, little tips uh, this morning. Uh, I know that I'm speaking to some of you who are actually really, really good at home improvement at work, so uh, you'd be far better doing this than me. But the reason why I'm talking about this is because I think it's at the core of the Christian life. I don't mean home improvement necessarily, uh, but in terms of the spiritual gifts that that Kerry's been speaking about, that we've heard a passage of scripture by Paul the Apostle written about. You see, if I were to say to you, who built St. Paul's Cathedral in London? I, I imagine that the answer many of us would give is Sir Christopher Wren. And if we liked quizzes, we might say, and did you know it was between 1675 and 1710? It was really his life's work, 35 years of a construction project. In the same way, <clears throat> we're think, thinking about Sir Christopher Wren, we credit him with the, the building of St. Paul's Cathedral. But I imagine that Sir Christopher Wren didn't lay one stone and he didn't hammer in a solitary nail. 
And the same is true in terms of how the kingdom of God works. Last week we talked about the fact that whenever Jesus Christ died and rose for us, he then ascended into heaven for us and he then poured out the Holy Spirit for us. And the reason why he ascended into heaven was to be seated at the right hand of God. Now that's not so much about right hand and left hand and geography and chairs. It's actually the Bible's way of saying Christ is in the place of power. And through Christ, the world has come into being. The world will be judged. The world has been redeemed. And God is making all things new. And so what this is all about is Christ is involved in the great restoration project, the making new of all things. And the whole sweep of the Bible is about the restoration project that we move from a place of the garden and the fallenness of human beings, the corruption of creation, and we end up with a holy city, the new Jerusalem, the bride of God, and everything being perfected, everything being developed, creation being developed, but perfection in the end coming. And when Jesus at the end of Matthew's gospel says to the disciples, I am with you until the job gets done. I know he didn't say it exactly in those words, but basically what he was saying was, I am with you till the job's finished. He was basically saying, a bit like Christopher Wren, he's responsible for actually the whole building being done. Christ is responsible for the whole work of restoration. It is him who is doing it. He is the one who gets the whole glory for it. He is the one who enables it. He's the one who empowers it. But we're the ones who are involved in actually seeing it through as ambassadors of Christ, of those who are baptized into Christ. Next week, we're going to have the privilege of Felicity Shaw being baptized, and we'll give her a wee wave at the back there. Lovely to see you, Felicity. And uh, one of our newest members of the church, uh, we have a new, another new one called Martha has arrived recently as well, which is brilliant, and God bless the McGlinchey family too. But it's really, really wonderful then. I'm hoping over these next months we'll, we'll see more and more baptisms. And baptism is about basically saying, Lord, I'm here to be used by you. We're plunged into the presence of God, Christ in us and us in Christ. And in that, there's this holy transaction that takes place. He takes all the rubbish and sin and brokenness of our lives, and he gives us the wholeness and the righteousness of God. If you remember from your O-level or GCSE, if you did chemistry or physics, you'll, you'll remember the fact that we think of electricity as flowing from the positive pole to the negative pole, but that's a purely conceptual thing. What actually happens in reality is the electrons flow from the, the negative to the positive, but we just conceptually think of it in the exactly opposite direction. But it's a good analogy for the Christian faith. The Christian faith is about us coming to God and he takes away our negativity. He takes away our brokenness and our sin but he also gives us his righteousness, the perfection of Christ. So when Christ, when the Father looks at us now, he sees perfection. He sees our full potential. He sees our wholeness. That's why he said to, to Gideon in the early chapters of Judges, and he said, he, he addressed him as a mighty man of God. Why? Gideon didn't feel like it. He didn't think he was a mighty man of God. But when God looked at him, he saw the fullness of all Gideon could be. And so he described him as the mighty man of God and go in the strength that you have. 
the Father sees us in the fullness of our potential, in the fullness of who we are. That's why he assigns us to do tasks that look, frankly, impossible. Because he sees the fullness of what we're capable of. But we can only do it in his strength. And so living the Christian life as a baptized follower of Christ, as one who the Spirit is in us and we are in Christ, is a bit like I'm not uh, sort of experienced enough or fancy enough to have one of those sort of tool belts, but imagine the Christian life, you have one of those tool belts and you've got a lovely power drill holstered in the side of it. And we live our life always aware of the fact that we are equipped to do the work that Christ wants done. And so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we're plugged in. How are we plugged into Christ? Well, we've talked a bit about baptism. How do we live that out in day-to-day life? We live it, as Kerry was saying, by having this continual conversation with God. Having a conversation with the one who is unseen, and yet we trust that he loves us beyond our imagination. Now, you and I know that sometimes we're better at that than others. Sometimes we live and we have this sense of God being so close that you could just sort of reach out and touch him. And other times in our lives, we may be aware of the fact, and and quite often we become aware of this when we become uh, irritable or short-tempered or temptation looks more attractive to us, that we realize that we've taken our eyes off the author and perfecter of our faith. And we realize we need to go back and say, God, I'm sorry, help me. And we've got to, as it were, sit still in the presence of God and recollect the truth the Bible tells us, that we are much loved, that we're the apple of his eye, that he's died for us, that he has shown us mercy and that this holy transaction in Christ has happened, and that we are those who have the Spirit of Christ within us. So that's an ongoing work of spiritual discipline, of seeking constantly to remember the truth of Scripture, the truth of God's Word, and live in a constant conversation with God, and that's where our power comes from. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So that's about being plugged in, Then as well, we have, obviously, we have different bits, different tools. So when we go out into the world, we'll we'll encounter brokenness, we'll encounter the fallenness of the world. Now, that comes in all sorts of different ways. There's there's sickness, there's discouragement, uh, there's disbelief, um, there's all sorts of different things that we encounter, Uh, lack of hope. oppression, uh, all sorts of different things, poverty, uh, hopelessness, all sorts of things we encounter. Um, People just constantly doing the wrong things, making the wrong decisions, damaging themselves and damaging others. So, So we step out, as we know, into that brokenness every day of our lives. And what does the Lord Jesus Christ want done? What is this great work of restoration? He wants people blessed. He wants people saved. He wants people healed. He wants people restored. He wants relationships restored. He wants poverty taken away. He wants justice done. He wants hope. He wants all the nations of the world to know him. It's a big project. The wonderful thing is that you and I get to play our part 
And so we, we encounter that brokenness. And the question is then, and the beauty of the Christian life is that we don't have to turn the power off and then go, oh, I'll put that bit in, I'll put that bit in. We can actually, with the power on, and keep the power on in the spiritual world, you, you basically just put the bit in. So what are those bits? Well, the Bible and New Testament talks in all sorts of ways about different spiritual gifts. We've heard today about, in 1 Corinthians 12, the message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Later on in the chapter, we hear about apostleship, teaching, helping, administrating. Ephesians 4 talks about evangelizing, pastoring. Romans 12, serving, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. 1 Peter 4, hospitality, speaking. And there are other gifts mentioned in the New Testament, intercession, being creative. It's not an exhaustive list, nor is it meant to be an exhaustive list. So there are a wonderful array of different ways that God wants to minister his love into situations. Now, if at home today or here today, you're thinking this is all very interesting, Nigel, but actually I'm not particularly interested in spiritual gifts, then you're not interested in showing God's love to people. Because the way that God ministers his love to people in the world is by way of spiritual gifts of the people of God. The fruit of the Spirit is all about character. It's all about internal. It's all about glorifying God with our inner being. The gifts of the Spirit is all about Christ working to get his work done to alleviate distress, to show love to other people. And the primary way God wants to do that is by us exercising spiritual gifts. If you're not interested in spiritual gifts, you're not interested in love. You're not interested in helping people. Because it's the only way by which God has equipped us to bring help to other people. So what are the ways? I thought... I'd, I'd mentioned a few ways over the years where people have ministered to me using the gifts of God's grace. And whenever, whenever God ministers to us through other people, so often, well, we, we come away from the encounter knowing that we've met with God. And I can think of things that happened months, days, years, decades ago of how God has ministered to me. One of the ways is through the gift of intercession. Uh, the rector of the church that I grew up with in Finneans, top of the Craiga Road in East Belfast. Um, Noel Batty was a minister for many years. He passed away in recent years, but he was on the radio a lot over the decades and sounds sacred. And uh, when I was about 12 years old, he decided to start to pray, unbeknownst to me, that I would become a Church of Ireland minister. And I, I wrote to him years ago to acknowledge the fact in that and so many other ways that the entirety of my life has been shaped by that man's prayers. The gift of intercession is a very powerful gift. 7th of June, 2012, in the early hours of the morning, I was standing outside. There were fire, five fire engines and the flames were licking up through the roof of the church. I wasn't quite sure what to think. And probably seeing a sort of vacant look or a panicking look in my face, 
the fire chief, JJ, who was standing out there, not only directing his numerous firemen and women, said to me in the midst of it all, whenever this place is restored and whenever you have your reopening service, if you like, I will come along and pray a prayer at that service. Now, to me, that's the gift of encouragement and the gift of faith in one. I couldn't see it. I couldn't imagine it. And yet, he was saying to me, I believe in the gift of encouragement. He's a, he's a deacon in the Roman Catholic Church. And I believe in the midst of that moment, not only was he practically helping us to put the fire out in the church, he was also speaking a word by the Holy Spirit of encouragement and faith. He saw something that I couldn't see. And he was saying, it'll be all right because God is good and God is with you. There's a gift of hospitality that Kerry has mentioned. And uh, especially that aspect in the Old Testament focuses on hospitality as being ministering to the stranger or the outsider. And in the, in the Jewish understanding of hospitality, real hospitality is, is hosting people whom we don't know. Abraham was blessed because he, he hosted people he didn't know. And he blessed them. He served them. I can still remember a number of occasions in my life. One was in P3. It's amazing that Ken Philpott was in my class back in P3. I was in his class back in P3. But I remember going to P3 and, and I remember there was another guy called Lee. And for some reason, P3 seemed to terrify me. P1, P2 were fine. P3 terrified me. And a guy called Lee came over and showed the gift of mercy and the gift of encouragement and the gift of hospitality. I remember going to work in the Omer Bakery one summer. I was 17 years old. I had never had a job in my life. I remember going in and having to work out how to put a card into the machine and clock on and put on the overalls and do my summer job and I was a fish out of water. I'm sure everyone could see I was a fish out of water. And there was a guy called Bob who was about 60 years old. And he took me under his wing and he showed me what to do and where to go and how to do the job and when to take a break and, and, and showed me everything. And for days and weeks, he made sure that I knew exactly what... I needed to do and where I needed to be. He wasn't paid to do it. He wasn't asked to do it. He just could see the fact that I was a stranger in a foreign land. He showed the gift of hospitality. I've mentioned before, another moment in my life of going to summer madness and I, I'd been working as an engineer for a number of years and I... I put my name forward because I sensed God was calling me to become a Church of Ireland minister. And I handed in my notice and I, I really wasn't sure had I done the right thing. Was this really what God wanted me to do? At the same time, I couldn't walk properly because I had a rugby injury. And each day in Summer Madness, the Christian Youth Festival that used to be up in Portadown, 
And every time there was a worship service, there was an opportunity for prayer ministry and healing. And every time I went up and every time, for some reason, God orchestrated that there was one guy who was there who prayed for me every time. And his face always dropped because every time he prayed for me, I walked around afterwards and nothing had changed. Thankfully, in the months and years ahead, God did heal my knee. But the end of the fifth session of this dear man who I'd never met before praying for me, he said, I, I don't know if God's going to heal you in the here and now, but every time I close my eyes, I see you with a clerical collar around your neck. Does that mean anything to you? And I said, well, I've handed him my notice for my job. And he said, well, to be a Church of Ireland minister, and he said, well, God's just telling you you've made the right decision. Back in 1999 or early 2000, Susan and I were wondering, well, what's the next step? We were, I was assistant minister up in Hollywood Parish, and we went on a retreat for a number of days, and one of the opportunities was, would you like to have five people with a gift of prophecy prophesy over you for half an hour? And I said, yes, please. My response in the Christian life is generally, yes, please. I don't know much about that at the time, but yes, please. And for half an hour, these people prophesied, and prophecy is, is about building people up. It's about speaking God's truth into people's situations. Preaching is like sort of hopefully lots of truth to lots of people. Prophecy is, is laser word. It's often to one person, one specific word. It sometimes reveals truth about the future, but it's primarily about speaking truth into the here and now. At the end of that half an hour, as we went away and reflected on what was said, it was clear to us what the next step was for the next four or five years. And three months later, I had a different role up at St. Anne's Cathedral as part of the evangelism in the diocese. But I, I wouldn't have known to apply had it not been for that opportunity of those five people sharing what they felt God was saying to me. Whenever we are ministered to in some way by God through someone who is willing to take the drill out of their pocket, it's a powerful thing. And the wonderful thing is that every single person baptized who believes that Jesus Christ is Lord, who is willing to say Jesus Christ is Lord, has been given a power tool to put in their belt, one that is always with us. And we have this wonderful array of bits that are before us. And Paul says, at the end of the chapter of 1 Corinthians 12, try and get as many bits as possible. Try and use as many bits as possible because they're to bless other people. And he says the greatest gifts are the ones that bless other people the most. And so we go out into the world and maybe someone needs to be shown the gift of mercy. Someone is brokenhearted. And the person with the gift of mercy will quite often go over and, if it's possible under the pandemic, sit near them, hold their hand, put their arm around them, and maybe not say anything, but just be there. And whatever the gifts are, God can use any of us with any of the gifts if it is his choosing. And the thing is as well, is that quite often when we start off, we feel as if it isn't wildly effective. 
the drill goes very slowly. Does someone with the gift of hospitality become someone who's a wonderful host or hostess on the first occasion? I imagine not. How does the host or hostess get better at hospitality? By doing it. How does the preacher become a better preacher? By doing it. How does the evangelist become a better evangelist? By doing it. How does a leader become a better leader? By leading. How does someone with practical gifts of help get better with practical gifts of help? By doing it. And every time we do it, we turn the speed up on the drill. Every time we do it, we become more effective. Every time we encourage, we become a better encourager until, boy, we can drill holes fast. You have been given gifts of the Holy Spirit. So often we leave the drill in the box. So often we don't desire the bits. The last thing I want to mention is the fact that even if we have it all plugged in and we have the bits, there comes a moment when we've got to pull the trigger. You see, whenever we encounter someone who doesn't believe in Jesus and God prompts us to say something about Jesus and exercise the gift of evangelism, we have a moment where we have to decide, am I going to overcome fear with faith? Or we spot the person who is a stranger. Am I going to walk across the room, pandemic aside, am I going to walk across the room and help the person who feels like a fish out of water feel welcome? Am I going to pray for healing with the person who has cancer? Am I going to pray for healing with a person who has a migraine? Am I going to pull the trigger? And you and I know we come up against moments and moments and moments in our lives when we, we know the Spirit is prompting us to intercede, to show mercy, to lead, to encourage, whatever it is. And we have the decision in that moment either to pull the trigger or just to walk away. Pulling a trigger means getting the job done for which Jesus Christ has put us here on this earth. And the more frequently we do it, the more effective we'll become. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your empowerment. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, we offer you ourselves afresh today. Use us for good in this world. Make us alert to the possibilities. Every time we encounter difficulty or brokenness or heaviness or sickness, Lord, give us faith and courage to step up and do whatever it is you tell us to do in that moment. May all the glory go to you. May your loving power be revealed. And may more and more people become baptized and become agents in this great work of restoration you're doing in making all things new. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.